Hello, and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 133 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Christmas is fast approaching on us and I am going to be not taking two weeks off from the podcast but I'm going to be a little bit more relaxed over the coming two weeks. So I'm a I'm a builder by trade and I had some great news last week. I've actually been given the green light to go back to work doing some light duties. Now I'm lucky insofar as I can sort of pick and choose what I do at work so I am able to structure some days around the sort of things I'm able to do so that's really really great news and financially really important for me and my family so as a result I was at work a couple of days this week just at the tail end and the building industry tends to shut down for two weeks at Christmas so Friday which was yesterday was the last day of work really the last day that the builders merchants are open and things like that now it will vary from area to area but generally speaking building companies shut down for two weeks at Christmas so as a result I wasn't expecting to be able to go back to work so I was expecting to be able to record a podcast on Friday and release it and that didn't happen so I apologize for the day delay in this one going out now I'm going to be doing a slightly reduced workload over the Christmas period so we can focus on some things around the house and that me and my family want to do together and we're actually going to be visiting for several days over the Christmas period all within the current guidelines and rules obviously and Covid safe as safe as one can be so as a result over the Christmas period I will be releasing podcasts I hope to be doing three a week as usual but I'm not making any commitments it will kind of be as it is and uh, hopefully you guys will still find that there's plenty to listen to and to take from and this is going to be the first such podcast where the actual content is a little bit different than usual because we're going to revisit some content that I broadcast back in the spring and it was when we were in the midst of our first lockdown and the episode title I think it was in the 20s episode 20 something and the episode title was a lockdown activity for mental health but I thought it was really a great time to republish that because not only are some of us now facing second third and fourth waves depending on where we are in the world and we're also looking at a vastly differing Christmas schedule than we might otherwise have and it's important to assess our spaces all year round not just in the summer or the spring but if you've already done this in the spring it's a really good opportunity to do it again in the winter and with everyone's Christmas schedules being slightly different than usual or at least a lot of us there may well be people out there that are struggling with loneliness or just not having the company that they might be used to around this time of year and as I say it is a great activity for mental health as well that being in the moment and really settling into the space around you is a really useful tool for mindfulness so 
I hope you'll find it useful. And not only that, but it also ties in really, really pertinently with Monday's episode of the podcast, where we spoke about the first principle of permaculture, which is to observe and interact. This is a really important stage if you want to start moving towards a more permaculture system. So I just thought it was a a really good time to republish this. And I think even if you've heard it before, it doesn't hurt to listen again and to redo the the project, if you like, if you want to call it a, a project. It's certainly something that's worth revisiting. And if you haven't heard it before, then it's definitely one that's worth listening to. So I'll now hand you over to me from the past, me from spring, and a revisit of a lockdown activity for mental health. You can find Self-Sufficient Hub content elsewhere online. We have our YouTube channel, we've also got our website, and we also have our Facebook group and page. Links to all of these can be found in the show notes. So why don't you come and check us out? So there's no better way of learning about your space and understanding it than spending time in it. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about an activity that is very, very useful for forward planning. And certainly for me, I find it very useful to actually come up with different ways of using spaces. And I quite often settle on some ideas that I otherwise wouldn't have had. So hopefully you you find it really useful. So the first thing to do is to get a sheet or two of paper, and we're going to write a list of headings that we're going to fill out as we spend time in our space. Now, depending on the size of your garden, I did this in eight different distinct areas. You might have a very, very small urban garden and you might do the whole garden in in one area. Um, Or you might have lots of, like I do, different areas with different aspects to them. So you might want to consider doing more than one sheet of research paper to really understand how different parts of your garden are working. So I'm going to run through the headlines and then tell you the sort of thing I wrote. Now I've got one of the sheets in front of me that I actually filled out a year and a half ago and it's quite surprising how much it actually did help change my thinking about the area. So towards the northern boundary of my property, we have a large area that is currently on its way to becoming a food forest. But at the time that I did this activity, it was just a piece of grass, or at least, uh, you know, the one side of it was a piece of grass, and the other side of this area was the edge of a woodland. So I start with just the location, date, and the weather. And This is useful because there might be things that are happening that you might expect to see more or less of based on the weather at that particular time. So the location for me was picnic area slash food forest because that's where we had our picnic bench. And the date that I filled this in 
was the 23rd of May. The weather was dry and bright with no rain for several days. Now, again, it's important to note these features because the fact that I know there was no rain for several days means that when we come to look at what's happening, we can allow that in our thinking. And the temperature was 19 degrees and the overnight low was 8 degrees. These are all things I noted. Then I went down to list, you know, whatever else I could sort of already know about the site. And that was the pH level is 7.5 in that area. Now, pH testers are available online very, very cost effectively. The one I've got is a reusable one. So I think I paid about £8 for it and I just plug it in the ground and it tells me the pH level and I can reuse that forever and ever. Now, the next thing you do once you sat down and you've made these notes is absolutely nothing. You just sit for a good 10 minutes. And the reason for this is to allow nature to return. Whenever you go for a walk in the countryside or walk out into your garden, quite often a lot of the natural environment very quickly changes because there's a human there. And a lot of your small birds and small animals will either freeze or actually disappear. And just sitting still for 10 minutes, you can listen and hear the difference in the bird song as they return to their normal state, as they become more comfortable with you being there. So just for 10 minutes, sit and just observe. Once everything's returned to normal, the next section on my list was soil, humidity and hummus notes. Now, hummus is the amount of organic matter in your soil and it will largely tell you about how fertile it will be. So under that section, I made these notes. So I had a, it was largely lawn or previously largely lawn with good topsoil on clay subsoil. It holds moisture well, maybe too well. These are my notes. And there is a wooded area largely untouched, suggesting healthy, established mycorrhizal fungi networks. So whenever you look at a piece of land, if you can tell that it's not been disturbed for a long time, then that's going to tell you that the soil food web and everything below the ground is likely in a very healthy state because it's been left to grow and, and do its thing. But whatever you can tell about your soil is what goes here. So if you happen to know what sort of subsoil you've got, whether it's clay or chalk or something different, that goes in here. And this can all help you to make judgments as to what type of plants you wish to plant or what type of fertility you have in the area. And it's certainly a good idea to make any notes that, that you're already aware of as you go through in all these cases. The next section was sunlight. And here what I did is I drew a very rudimentary picture sketch of the area. And I labelled where north was. And because a large portion of the area I was looking at was trees, it allowed me to judge where exactly was getting the sun and how much sun it was getting. So I drew a very rudimentary sketch with where the trees were and also had a pond in the area that I'd partially created. And then I just labelled different areas as full sun, partial shade. 
the next heading title was wind exposure and for this particular area my notes were fairly exposed to the northeast although there is some cover to the entire area so wind exposure can make a difference for lots of reasons especially if you're going to be growing annual plants or things that might need to be supported and whenever you're planning long-term planting it's really important to consider how the wind and sun work together there'll be certain areas that lend themselves to different plants some plants may need support by way of trellis and if you're going to implement things like this then that's going to have an impact on what areas subsequently get shaded so it's certainly worth looking at the wind exposure and the sun area together in my opinion the next heading on my list was existing plants and this can be well, this should be whatever's in the area, regardless of whether it's stuff you've planted yourself, whether it's stuff you've inherited, whether it's weeds, whatever it is. Put all the existing plants down there. And this whole system, what we're doing, is based in permaculture principles. So what we're going to try and do is work in harmony with what's already happening in the space. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to have our entire garden running rampant with weeds, but knowing what grows where and what is growing where already will help us to make the sort of changes that require a lot less effort to install but also maintain. So under this heading for this particular area in my garden I had a large selection of native trees, comfrey around the ponds, various introduced edibles and that was introduced by myself and red clover, buttercup buttercups, couch grass, etc. So the area that I had was largely inherited and I had begun the process of creating a food forest in some of it. Now really the best time to do this is before you start planting an area and I may have changed, well in fact I certainly would have changed the exact location of where I planted a lot of my long-term planting in this area had I done this activity first. So it's really easy for you guys to get in touch. Whatever it is you want to say, whether it's an idea for a future episode or perhaps you've got some feedback on something you've heard me say, I really do love hearing from you. There's lots of ways that you can do it. Now, you can follow the links in the show notes. You can use your phone just by pressing the button in the link and record a voice message that can be played on the show. Alternatively, you can send us an email where we are selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com or you can find us via Facebook. But however you choose to do it, I really do love hearing from you guys. Perhaps you'd like to record a voice memo using the regular recording app on your phone and send that via an email. That's another way that I can play it on the show. But please do get in touch. The next heading in my list is systems to encourage. So I looked around what I saw in front of me and to the north edge was a fence that separated our property from our neighbours. So I put here edible climbers to the north fence because that was an obvious area that got lots of sun and that it would be really easy to 
introduced more edible climbers because we already had some blackberries growing there and it was a great place where we could look at something that was already working a system that was already working and encourage that and add to it by introducing more edible climbers of different varieties and something else that was a system that was working and that was something I wanted to encourage was self-mulching leaf litter now this is how the wooded area was working and how it works in every woodland is that the leaves fall and act as mulch to suppress some of the weeds that's why when you walk in a woodland quite often there's there's not much growing beneath a lot of the trees so I wanted to use that system to self-mulch around the base of my fruit trees that I was planting another system that I could encourage and this was due to the nature of the pond that was in the process of being built there was duck pest control and manure now ducks are fantastic for eating your slugs and things like that my vegetable garden is just around the corner from this area so maybe if I were to free range Indian runner ducks or something like that they could act as pest control for my vegetable garden and some of the area in general and the final thing I put here was aquaculture which is will be the subject of a future podcast I'm sure but the idea of having the pond system as a way of growing food so those are the systems that I wanted to encourage from what I could see on this day you might have different things growing in your area you might have a chicken coop in your area you might have all sorts of things that I didn't have in this particular area but there's all sorts of opportunities here for things that you can encourage and we're trying to look at what's already working and thinking what can we do to rather than cutting and chopping things out or in we're just trying to nudge what's already happening in the direction we'd like it to go the next thing on my list was systems to discourage now here i had predator and pest ingress to the property at the northeast boundaries wasted water overflow from the pond and squirrels stripping nuts from trees so i had a walnut tree here and we'd lost every single nut to squirrels we also could see or I could see uh, animal runs so I could see where foxes badgers things of that nature were getting in uh, through our fence and of course these were access areas where they would then get to the rest of our garden where we keep our chickens and stuff and it would be nice to keep the foxes and badgers out we also have lots of rabbits that come in and I don't necessarily want to stop the rabbits coming in, but I do want to stop them eating certain plants. This area of our property is at the highest point. Our property is not on a, a hill, but it does have a very slight run from the northeast corner to the southwest. And this is where I have my ponds and wasted water overflow what I meant by that is water was overflowing from my pond and it was just running across a lawn and then onto another lawn whereas I thought if I could divert that water towards my vegetable bed that would be a far better use of it because it, that water is going to be quite high in nutrients eventually because I'm going to have fish and ducks living in the pond so I wanted those nutrients to make their way somewhere useful not somewhere I didn't need them. 
The next thing on my list is wildlife. So if I were to do this again, I think I'd put this one higher up because it could influence some things that I've already spoken about. But here I wrote squirrels, evidence of rabbit, deer seen in the neighbouring pasture, buzzards, magpies, crows, dragonflies, miscellaneous water creatures in the pond. Now, this includes things that I saw while I was sat there, but it also includes just things that I am aware use that area. So this will vary dramatically from area to area in your garden, perhaps, depending on how your garden's laid out. We don't see any of these mammals near the house. When we get very close to our house, we don't see any of them because we have a dog running free most of the time outside. So if I'd done this somewhere else, and we also didn't have the pond, so most of these things wouldn't actually have been on there. So it is worth taking the time to allow nature to return to this area and seeing what you see while you're there. The next category, and this one is critical really, and now we're talking about some of the bigger infrastructure things, and it's resources. Now by by resources, this can mean anything man-made or natural. So here I've got sun, ponds, compost loo, because we had a compost loo that I built in the toilet, in the in the wood, rather, and uh, woodland, partial fencing, shade, and ducks. So these are all resources. These are all things in the area that I can use, that I can utilise, that we should try not to waste. So to run through them again, one by one, sun, well, a lot of this area was in full, full sun. So that's not a resource that I want to waste. Anywhere that's in full sun, I want to be used to photosynthesize to produce plants produce food to feed the soil that's a resource that I don't want to waste the next one was ponds now that's a resource again that shouldn't be wasted you can use them to grow food by way of plants or fish you can use them to house ducks you can also use them to produce fertilizer which is several of the things I'm doing a great use of a pond if you don't really have a use in mind is just to grow duckweed as feed for ducks and geese. The next resource was a compost loo. Now the reason this is a great resource is because it produces fertilizer but also it means that it's an easier to use area. We can spend more time in the area without having to go away back to the house. Woodland is a great resource for coppicing, for timber but also for harboring nature. Partial fencing. So again, we've got some fencing ready in place to act as support for climbers. We've also got shade. So I spent quite a lot of time researching things that would grow in the shade around my woodland as part of my food forest. So we have that resource there. And finally, ducks that I've already spoken about. The next thing was problems. Now, I only had two here, which is great. I had pests and soil drainage. Now we're on clay. So when it rained for prolonged periods, it would get very, very wet in some areas. Now, I put soil drainage question mark as it happens. Since I wrote this list of of items, I found out that in that area, with it being the highest point on our property, it actually doesn't have an issue with drainage. So that's great. And so the only thing I had there to sort of think about was pests. And we've dealt with that largely by building tree guards and mini tree guards around most of our planting. 
The next thing is a list of four things. And I wrote these across the page and then made the notes underneath them. And these are strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And this was basically me summing up some of the things I've already written and just condensing those thoughts, crystallizing those thoughts into ultimately opportunities, things that we could go forwards with. So under strengths, I put peace. It was a very peaceful place, very quiet. Fertility, the soil hadn't been touched and it was a very fertile area. A nice sun and shade mix. Under weaknesses, I put pests and predators. And then we get to opportunities and threats. So opportunities, we could create strong guilds. There was lots of space that we could create nice strong plant guilds around individual trees in the food forest. And the other opportunity was for edible pond permaculture. So the two biggest things that I wanted to go forwards with was developing the pond area and developing the food forest. And then under threats, I've put water logging and then fox slash badger damage. So we've been able to mitigate both of them. One was mitigated for us. It just didn't waterlog. We were actually okay with that in the end. And the second one was we've been able to put barriers in place to stop the fox and the badger getting to the plants and getting through our garden into where we don't want them. And then the last heading was just desirable goals. And here was just a list of things that I wanted to achieve. So after going through this process, here are the things that I wanted to achieve from this space. And in this example, I'd written continued introduction of edible plants, create a safe duct habitat, create edible pond permacultures, planting of edibles between ponds, a water pump, solar power to pump from pond three to pond one, because my, my pond was actually three separate ponds on very slightly different levels so that I could have water run from one to another and then be pumped back up to the top one. Uh, introduce irrigation and protect some crops from wildlife. Well, I'm quite happy actually because we've we have continued to introduce edible plants there. So I've achieved that goal. We've created a safe duck habitat. However, the the pond development has really fallen by the wayside. It's something that's still on my to do list, but we haven't been able to move forward with it very much because I've just got sidetracked with other things planting of edibles between the ponds and the water pump. So I've got all the things I need there, but I haven't actually had the time to develop the ponds properly. Introducing irrigation. Well, as it happened, I didn't need to do that. The area does drain okay. And then finally protect some crops from wildlife. Well, I've been able to do that. So I'm actually, this is the first time I've gone through this since I made the document. So I'm really quite happy to be able to say that I've achieved most of what I wanted to, or I'm moving in the right direction. But having done this process, it really did make a difference and made it so much easier for me to think clearly about this space. One of the biggest benefits of doing something like this is it's really going to reduce the chances that you end up doing something and then wish you'd done something different, change your mind and or find out something that you wanted to do isn't working two years after you've planted it and spent a lot of time and effort on it. So it is something that's really practical and I strongly recommend you do it, even if you're only doing it for the practical benefits. The fact that it's a great, peaceful mental health activity is a just a side benefit for me. But I hope you've found that interesting and I hope that you go ahead and you do at least one of these in your garden. I really do think that if you do one, then you will 
find the benefits yourself and you won't regret it. So if you are thinking of doing one, I'm just going to run through the headings once more, just as bullet points, if you wanted to make your own notes so that you could write down just the headings and allow whatever space you think each of them would be required in your own space. So they were location, date, weather, temperature, pH levels. And then the spaces with a bit more space were soil and humidity and humus notes, sunlight, wind exposure, existing plants, systems to encourage, systems to discourage, wildlife, resources, problems, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats, and then finally, desirable goals. Just one quick note I wanted to say as I, as I read through that then is when, it, when I say resources, these can be anything from a water access. So a water butt would certainly be a resource, as would a standing water pipe. Resources can really be anything. It could be close access to the tool shed. So don't undersell your space when you're going through this list. And I look forward to hearing how you got on with it. I really do think that you'll enjoy doing the process and I'd love to hear from you if you go ahead and do one for yourself. Thanks for listening. See you on the next one. If you find this podcast valuable, there's several ways you can support it. The easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. You could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online, including your social media pages. And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon.